you open your Bible in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, yes, there is room at the cross for you. If you're not saved here today, the Lord says, I can save you. I can save you. You don't have to die unsaved. I want you to go to come to my heaven. And what a wonderful thought that God's the creator of all. He created you and me. He says to you and me, I want you to come. You come to my heaven. Matthew chapter 6. Well, you're going to touch in a subject this morning called Consider Jesus' Provision. Matthew 6, and I'll get it myself there as well. All right, there we are. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do it corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for, for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, it is true. Where the heart goes, so is our hands, our eyes, our feet. And I pray, Father, help us to understand what you're trying to say here this morning to all of us. I pray, Father, if there's someone here that never truly received Jesus as their personal Savior, Lord, may today be the day of salvation for them. Oh, Lord, even those who are online today, may not sit around like couch potatoes. But, Lord, they look attentively. They, they open their Bibles if they have one. If not, watch the one we have on our screens so they can see the words of the living God. Yes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, consider Jesus' provision. Well, we live in a day today on which we talk too much about self-preservation. It's all about me. That's the way the world we live today. Look about our younger generation. It's all about them. It's about themselves. And that's the world that we live in today. You go to a public arena and then listen. Listen, don't be an easybody or, 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 or what do you call that, an eavesdropper or whatever that is called. But, but just, just listen for the sake of listen. The conversations of people around you is all about self-preservation. Me, myself, and I, I don't care about anybody else. That's the society we live in. And even society teaches, you deserve, you work hard, you deserve, all this goes on and on and on. What about what God says? God says, I am your provider. You say, yeah, right. I'm the one who work hard all day. Okay, we're going to look into that in a little bit. So, what would you be willing to do for a million dollars? Your minds are going, I can do this, I can pay this, I can fix this. Ooh, that would do good in my life. That's right. If I got a million dollars here, which I don't have, I'm not that rich, and I'm willing to plot it out and give it to you and put it on the table, but some string, strings attached. Uh, let me put it this way. Someone actually did a poll on this thing, asking people this very question. And it is amazing what people would say they would be willing to do for a million dollars. Some were willing to spend time in jail. Some were willing to never see their best friend again. Others were willing to move permanently to another country. And some were willing to do some naughty stuff even to get that million dollars. We may be shocked over what people's responses, but what people would do for money. Let me put it this way. 
It is a problem. It is actually sad when people is not content where they are. We have to understand and learn the secret of contentment. Because we live in a society which a lot of, where a lot of people is very discontent. Oh, your neighbor buy a new car, and the next day you go buy a new car because the neighbor have a new car. You can't afford the car, but you go buy it anyway. You know, that's the way society is. Oh, you have a blue car. I want a, I want a purple one. So I'll go buy a purple one. So we live in a society like this. We'd be shocked what people would do for money. So once again, we are in the middle of uh, like a session. We go through some passage here in Matthew. But this is a, a wonderful passage here because the Bible says, I mean, actually, what Jesus says right here uh, in verse, uh, what verse I was reading, I'm going to give it to you. It says, for where your treasure is, verse 21, there will your heart be also. It says, is that true? Yeah, of course it's true. Because where our heart is, so is our, our, our eyes and our feet, our legs, and everything else. So, people wonder why God speaks so much about money in the Bible. And people say, I don't go to church because what these guys want is money. That's not true. But anyway, that's an excuse people use not to go to the house of God. You know what we do in the house of God? We teach God's word. That's right. And we proclaim God's word. Money is just another thing that is needed, like you need it to you pay your own bills. And of course, if we don't pay our utility bills in the church, we won't be here. <laughs> we all have to go somewhere else or go in the park somewhere, which may be free, even if the, the city hall uh, allows us to be there. But anyway, so people wonder why God speaks so much of money. It's not because God cares about your money. And by the way, God doesn't want your money because God owns all. It is because God cares about your heart. And when it comes to money, God knows really where your heart is by the way you use your money. You know, some people, their God is sports. They spend thousands of dollars in sports. They go see the Patriots. I don't care if you, I like the Patriots too. But you know what? I'm not going to give 200 and some dollars, sit in the cold seats, you know what, just for the sake of watch, to be entertained. Sorry, I don't go see it. I mean, I work too hard to go spend money just literally just like that. But some people say, I disagree with you. Okay, they disagree with me. That's fine. But what God wants here is looking for your heart in this passage. And he's more concerned about the heart than he's concerned about your money. Because he really don't care about your money. And honestly, I'm telling you this to be true. All those who, uh, people willing to, to do terrible things well, I'm, for a million dollars, what their heart is after money. And that Paul did has revealed the condition of their heart. So in Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain, he gave the conduct uh, he would have for us to live our lives here on earth. And I believe what the Lord wants us to be to, to, to understand here is us to discover the secret of contentment. Let me put it this way. Are you content this morning or are you discontent? Oh, I didn't have my coffee this morning. I'm totally discontent. Oh, you had water this morning? Okay. See, we learn to be content whatever we are. If we don't have uh, a steak for lunch, you can have a hamburger. If you don't have a hamburger, you can have a piece of bread. You know what? It's, you learn to be content for whatever the Lord provides us. You see, the secret of contentment. So, wouldn't words be said this way? The Sermon on the Mount deals with the conduct that grows out of character. So, character always comes before conduct because what we are determines what we do. You follow that? Let me repeat that. 
character always comes before conduct because what we are determines what we do. So in the sermon, uh, the Lord taught uh, on Christian behavior, uh, sometimes called or called kingdom behavior. So the Sermon on the Mountain is the political, political platform for the coming millennium kingdom of God. But you know what? The Lord will come and get His church, of course, and He will come back and He will rule and reign for a thousand years from, for, on this earth. As you like it or not, agree or not, that's what's going to happen. Right. So, to the Sermon on the Mountain, we see this thing. So the Lord prepares our hearts, and here on earth, we ought to be an image of God to learn the secret of contentment. So get this. It is easy to worry about having enough, about having enough for the future on earth, but fail to think about our future in heaven. Lord, we're so earthly bound. We want this, we want this, we want this. And many people forgot, you know what? I'm going to depart, leave everything behind me. And what's going to happen? Listen, you can have all the treasure on this earth. One day, somebody will take care of that for you. And you'll be rolling in the grave and say, I cannot believe they're misusing what I had I worked so hard for. It's not yours anymore. It's gone. Isn't that the truth? So let's learn how to be content where we are. So from this passage, we learn about three lessons the Lord gives here to the Christian. And I want to share this morning with you. Okay? Number one, the command to store our treasures. I said, I'm going to elaborate a little bit about money here this morning. It's not my goal to just put money through your throats. I don't want to do that. But we're going to, the Lord's talking about treasures here. And let me put it this way. Okay? Here on earth, we have banks. On heaven, there is a bank too. It's called the Bank of Heaven. First Baptist Bank of Heaven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. So your tithes and your offerings that you give to the local church are part of your treasures. When you give an offering to somebody that is in need, it's part of treasures that you built to heaven. But it's always got to be the way you give because God looks in your heart. Oh, I have to give this because the pastor says so. Oh, do because I said so. Do what God says and do it with joy. God even says it's better to give than to receive. And God loves a joyful giver. The Bible says even though when we should give, we should go hilariously jump around and are like, yes, I can give. You say, that's crazy. Well, that's what the Bible says. Can you imagine all of you jumping around like, like a bunch of little children you know, all happy and go and give our gifts and tithes to the Lord. That's what God tells us to do. So, store your gifts in heaven. So, where are you storing your treasures? On earth or in heaven? You say, Pastor, all right. So, you tell me I shouldn't have bank accounts, I shouldn't have this. I didn't say that. It's wise, if you look at the Bible within context, it's wise to invest. But we have to give to God what belongs to God and keep what belongs to us. We are just stewards. And a good steward invests the resources that God provides us. All right? So don't misunderstand me here. So, letter A, storing your treasures on earth. Look what it says in verse 19. Lay not for yourself treasures upon earth, where mouth, moth and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. So let's begin this thing with treasures, where Jesus makes the following co contrast between two treasures here, treasures on earth and will pass away, and treasures in heaven will last forever. So some people like to say that, that the only thing pastors like to do is preach about money. That's not true. Actually, this is the first time I'm talking about the subject since last year. Okay? And you can testify of that. So since last missions conference. 
So I don't think such a statement is true, but a statement that people use, like I said, as an excuse not to come to the house of God. So people usually spend their money in all kinds of things that they prioritize themselves. Again, where their heart is, so is what? You. No, I don't think, I, I think, think with me for a second. In the winter, the house of God needs to be warmed up. You need to pay the bills. In the summer, Pastor, it's too hot in here. We need air condition. We're going to pay the bills. See, follow us. I said, well, but God owns all. Yes. You know one thing? God is not going to send money from heaven down earth to pay the bills. You know what? Because God wants your heart. It comes down to the heart. God wants your heart, and your heart have the right. But, Pastor, if I give. I don't have to do this and this and this and this and this. You know what? Look at me. I've been giving my tithes and offerings to the Lord for almost 25 years. Uh, I look like I could lose some weight. Okay? I, I, I I'm still have a house to sleep in. i got a car to drive. See, God provides. It comes to the thing of faith. I believe by faith that God will supply all my needs in Christ Jesus. Gift to God belongs to God. Give to uh, uh, keep what belongs to you. But let me tell you this. What about, okay, think about this. Treasures in heaven on earth will pass away because one day you will die and leave everything behind for somebody else. But when you leave this world and go to the next, your treasures are waiting for you. Keep that in mind. So storing treasures on earth. Let's go to letter B, storing treasures in heaven. Look what it says in verse 20. Lay not for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor, nor dust corrupt, and where thieves do not break through, nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if you have your Bible, this is written in red, is the words of Jesus himself. So unlike treasures, uh, earthly treasures, heavenly treasures are secure. God says nobody will steal it. None, it would not rust. It would not go bad. Nobody would take it from you. So how do you store treasures in heaven? We get some pretty details in 1 Timothy 1.6. Look what it says in verse 17. It says, It says, Charge them that are rich in the world, that they be light-minded, not trusting certain riches, but in the living God, not give, not give it uh, uh, us richly all things, I'm sorry, who give it us all richly things to enjoy, that they, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And verse 19 says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against, against the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. You know, you don't do things to be saved. You do things because you're saved. But God says, when you use your resources for the, thing that, for the sake of others and do anything, God will bless them. And you know what? And you will build treasures in heaven. Hard to believe because, again, we live in a world of self-preservation. It's all about me, not about us. I could care about you. It's all about me. I make sure I'm okay. Are you okay? If I can help you, I will. But don't count on me. So, there you have it. The goods, be rich in good deeds, be generous, be willing to share. Only those two things last forever. People and the, and the, and the Word of God, which shows where... Your priorities need to be. Value people over possessions. Value God's word over the things of the world. You see, people are more valuable than possessions. 
God is more valuable than possessions. You say, well, I love God if uh, my bank account is like this. No, we love God we don't, when we don't have anything. Because God will supply all of our needs. You know what? Do you believe that? Actually, Colossians 3, 3.2 says, Set your affections or your mind on things above, not things on the earth. We so consume all the things in you. Only if I could have a million dollars. Only if I could get any yacht. Only if I could have this car. Only if I could have that. And we forget to live. And we forget the people around us. In worse situation than we are. Let me put it this way. I tell my mother this thing. All the time. Mom, there are people that have a lot more than you can ever imagine. But there are a lot of people that have a lot less than you. You see that? Be content where you are. The secret of contentment is to be content where we are. You're not going to believe this. You know, I grew up with no shoes. You say, what do you mean? I had no shoes. I thought I was rich. Oh, well, you know, my mom's house and everybody in town, nobody had shoes. We had one pair of pants for, for the whole week and one pair of pants for Sunday. And my Sunday shoes had holes in the bottom because I used to play soccer. And, you know, I scratched those whole shoes. But anyway, I was like, I was content because I thought, you know, Everybody in town was the same way. We were all poor people. We told we were rich. We got our Sunday shoes. Hey, Sunday shoes. And everybody walking around like, if it rained, we walk like this. So we can get our feet wet. I'm not kidding you. You think I'm kidding? What planet you come from? Yeah, well, we were poor. Then I came to America like, wow. I can go to the store and actually touch the oranges? Oh, wow, that's, that's something. I mean, you know, because we're there, you like, you ask and they come and give it to you. They go, can I have a pound of sugar? Okay. And here, like, you got everything with your hands. I was like, wow. But anyway, be content where you are. We learn to be content right where we are. Let us see. Guarding your hearts, not your treasures. Here's what God wants you to do. To guard your heart, not your treasures. Listen, folks. Is that wise to invest? Yes, it is. We have to invest. It is a wise thing. The Bible teaches about investments, how we should invest, how wise we should be when we invest. But also, God says, I'm more concerned about your heart than I am about your investments. Have a heart for me, guard your heart, and so you can do wise or make wise decisions. If you don't guard your heart, that's what you're going to be sorry about what, the, what things are going to not be in your life. You've got to guard your heart so God can guide you. And God says, I'm more interested about your heart. Look what it says there in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You follow that? Why? It doesn't matter where you store your treasure. It does matter. Because God wants your heart. So number one, we see the command to store our treasures. Point number two, the reminder of our eyes. Look at verse 22, verse 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light, the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? God says, I give you two eyes. Be careful what you look at with your eyes. See, now when you look about money, it changes, it goes to the eyes right now. Why? Because God is concerned about your heart. That's the concern of God. You see, letter A, eyes are the windows to the heart. We all know this to be true. Usually our, heart, our heart's desire is driven many times by what we see. Let me give you an example. All right. 
you feel like a little anxious and you get in your car and you go to the local store, let's say one of those big box stores, you walk in and you, you know, just, ah, just go to kill sometime. You're walking around and before you know you walk out of there with $200 in merchandise that you didn't even, don't even need. Why did you buy the things? Because you saw it. And when you saw it, you want it. And you get home, you put it in the site somewhere and you never use it. You wonder why we have things at home stuff the stickers on? Because literally we don't really need it. And that's what happened to our eyes. We see it, we want, we have to be careful with that. So while you see it, God says, take your eyes off of it. You see it, you desire, you want it. And so you may be careful on the things that we look with our eyes. Because many times what we see, we want, and we don't stop until we get it. So how many times do you go hungry just for watching something, somebody else eating? You know how many times somebody said to you, you're making me hungry. Just because somebody else eating a sandwich or something. You know, sometimes I'm sitting at my job, you know, uh, you know that's me. I get my little towel on, and I put it on top of my desk, and I take my... My things up and put all nice and nice in there. And it comes my coworkers. Ooh, what you got there? And they open my bag and look inside. And I look and say, do you want something? Yeah, I'm hungry. I have one that is, his name is Brian. It's not name. Okay, forget it. Uh, he, he comes, what you got for lunch today? They see, they see it. They want because they get, that's what happened to us. Our eyes, you need to be careful with that. Okay, so how many times you're watching a commercial on TV and, you know, like you see this hamburger, nice and juicy, colorful, and that's just a picture anyway. But you look at you go, oh, oh, and you want, you want the same hamburger too. There you find yourself going down the street, going there to the, the place to get a hamburger like that because you saw it. That's what happened to our eyes. You have to be careful what we see that, again, here's the thing. God is concerned about your heart. Just because you see doesn't mean get it. When your heart is right, you make the right decisions. So, it will happen. Okay. My heart is right. Is this guy right there, drunk as a skunk, offering you a drink, and you say, no, thank you. Here's a guy right here with drugs. I say, okay, no, thank you. You know why? Because your heart is right. If your heart is wrong, you say, oh, yeah, I can have a drink with you. Oh, yeah, I can have this with you. And I can say everything else about life. And God says, I'm looking at your heart. Amen. Let it be, when the heart is right, the path is clear. The idea, Jesus' illustration here is when your heart is right, your path is clear. The eye is the lamp to the body. If you can't see, you can't walk. Right? Not trying to put blind people down here, but when you're blind, right, you use a cane, right, to guide you along, or somebody to guide you along, or so you're very familiar with. So, but let me tell you. Can you walk in the, wood, in the woods at night with no light at all? You're going to stumble. You might hit some trees. Because it's dark. As, oh, that's, so, uh, that's the way we are when we walk in darkness. When we not, we not we walk in darkness and we stumble all over the place. So God says, I'm concerned about your heart. Look what it says in Psalm 119 verse 105. Take this to heart. The word... Thy word is a lamp and a light into my path. You see what God says right here? I'm concerned about your heart. As my word, he says, is a lamp, illuminates you, and it says unto your feet, and a light into your path. So my word, God says, should be the one that would guide you to life. 
live and tell, do what book says? Yes. It's exactly what I'm trying to say. Because this is not a book. This is a word of God. Amen. If it's the word of God, it will guide you. And let me tell you, if you try to apply God's word to your life, you're not going to go in wrong at all. God will help you along the way. And years from now, you're going to look back and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. That's what you're going to say. Okay? So, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. When Jesus talks about your eyes being good or, or healthy, he uses a word that can also mean single. means like this. Your eyes, you have two. They always look in the same direction. Don't look crooked. You know what some people like look two directions? Don't look that way. Because a lot of times that's what heart is, is divided. We want this, but oh, we want this. Oh, we want this, but we want this. God says, no, 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 no. I want your heart in one place. Look up to me. I don't know where your heart been, or where your heart is this morning, but it's one thing God says to you and me. You know, you have two eyes. Focus them on me. That's what he wants you to do, to focus your eyes on him. Let us see, when the eye is wrong, the walk is wrong. Look what it says in verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee, darkness, how great is that darkness. I'll tell you what, you can see evil eyes. Did you ever see it? You ever see people like you that look at you in an evil, wicked way? From here. Don't you sense sometimes in a place you need to walk away? You can, see the, you can see the evil of the eye looking at you. You know what? God says that person is full of darkness. The eyes of evil, it proceeds out of the heart. Because it's the, with the heart everything starts and it proceeds to our members. It starts in the heart and it goes to your hands, to your feet, to your, to your mind. That's why we see murders and crimes and all kinds of things. You know what? Because there's wickedness. It's evil. And sometimes I've been there and what you say, I better just walk away from here. Because evil is there. You could see the evil eye. And God said, God says to you and me again, I am concerned about your heart. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. See, God gives you two sets of two Two eyes, but he wants two eyes, both of your eyes to be focused on him. Okay? Let's go to point number three. We're almost done. So first is the command to store our treasures. Number two, the reminder of our eyes. And number three, the problem of two masters. Look at verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. See, Jesus talked about two treasures, two set of eyes, and now he talks about two masters. Why is he, Jesus persistently talking about two, two, and two? You know why? Because, again, God is concerned about your heart. God's concern is your heart. Where is your heart? Where your heart is, so is your hands, your mind, your decisions that you make. Where your heart is wrong, you're going to make the wrong decisions. You're going to walk the wrong path. You need to give your heart to God so He can guide you and say, How I know? Listen, God's Word can direct you. Amen. Don't look at the Bible and say, That's an old book, it's out of date. It's not, folks. You know why? Because when God wrote the Bible, He wrote to the heart of man. You see, the Bible is not out of style. The Bible is forever young and forever new and transforms people's lives. Right. Listen, this is where the drunkard stops drinking, right here. 
This is where the drug addict stop, stops taking drugs. This is where the murder stops killing people. When they read God's word. I'm telling you. You've got to read and apply and see what God says. Listen, we serve a loving God. He loves you and loves me. He's merciful. He loves you. He doesn't want you to do it wrong, but you know what He wants? He wants your heart. Forget about money. Forget about those things. He wants your heart because where your heart is, so is your treasures. You say, Pastor, I've made so many mistakes. So well, okay, you did it. Repent. Give your life to Christ. Then now follow Him. Follow Him because that's what He wants you to do. You see the problems of two masses. Let me put it this way. You cannot serve yourself and serve God at the same time. You cannot. Because it would be you or it would be God. God says you die to self. And you say to God, no, no, no. I'm not dying to self because I deserve. You're not dying to self. God says if you want to serve me, you must die to your will. Wow. You know who the will is? Get up in the morning on a Sunday morning. Ah, nice day to go to the beach. Ah, nice day to go to the golf course. Ah, I'm going to get a nice call. That's self-will. Dying to self is, I'm going to church. Well, I don't feel like it. Okay, Lord, I'm going to church. That's dying to self. You follow that? See, the problem of two masters, two sets of two here. The Bible makes, makes uh, our decision simple. If we love God, we will serve Him. If we will love self, we will serve money, we will serve everything else. There are many who get so consumed with the, the quest to, success, to be successful that they begin to err uh, and they begin to forget that it is a God that loves them. They allow their desire for success to become uh, idle, and they come to love money more than they love God. So what do they do with everything in life? Money, 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 money. I need this, I need this. No, you don't need anything. How much money did Jesus have? How much clothes did he wear? How many pairs of shoes he had? Did he have a car? He didn't, think, he didn't even have a donkey. You say, oh, I never ride a donkey. Well, there you go. You see, he was not concerned about material things. He said, I can never live this way. Yes, you can. You know, today it was like we have the iPads and the iPhones. And say, oh, I can never live without my own. I mean, actually, you know, it's so bad that when you miss your, your phone somewhere, you feel like you lost something in your life. You know what? I bet you anybody can be put in a desert island right now and survive if they learn to be content right there where they are. And God says... You cannot serve two masters. You cannot. You either love one and hate the other. Let A, no one can serve two masters. In James chapter 4, verse 4, give us that example. There are three things that Jesus says about two masters. First of all, no one can serve two masters. Second of all, it's impossible. And number three, it can't be done. You can work two different jobs at the same time. Yeah, if you steal from one, I'd say, I mean, uh, uh, Okay, there was a guy that worked with me. He had his own business. And in the, the working hours, he was running his business. Let me tell you that. Is that right? What was he doing? He was stealing time from the other corporation. So much when he got, we found out he lost his job. See, you cannot serve two masters. He was serving himself and trying to get a job from the other place. You can't be in two places at the same time. You cannot serve the Lord. You, can't, you cannot serve God and yourself. Or serve God and others. You can't. 
You see, we can serve others in the name of Jesus. Yes, we can. See, let it be, we see, your heart can only be fully devoted to one master. Why not? Because Jesus says your heart can only be fully devoted to one. You see, back, back to the story of the heart again. God is concerned about your heart. Where your heart is, so is your action, so is your treasures. And God says, your heart, if you have two masters, it can only be fully devoted to one of your masters. Let me put it this morning. Where's your heart? Is devoted to God or devoted to self? I can answer that question for you. You have to answer that question to your own self. Because, you know, where your heart is, the Bible says, is your treasures are also. You see, if your heart is not with God, God is not in your mind. You don't desire to serve God. But if it, your, God is, your heart is after God, yes, you're going to serve Him. You're going to live for Him. Your life's going to change. Hey, we live in a world today of self-preservation, but we're so concerned about what other people do. So we go in with the current, what everybody's doing, and if you look different, stand this way, everybody's, it seems like everybody against you. They're not. Let me just keep going the ways of God. Forget the ways of the world. Let us say you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Logan says, no man can serve two masters, uh, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. And he, Jesus says, he cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. The word translated money is mammon here, which means one's wealth or possessions. Uh, listen, I'm not against money. I'm not against possessions. I'm not against uh, people making investments because it's all biblical. But if you allow money to conduct your life, that is the wrong. You follow what I'm saying? I don't live for money. You know, I, I have money because I need to survive. That's a different case. If God provides, I, I would say praise the Lord for it. So, who are you going to serve? The almighty dollar or the almighty God? Substitute the word serve to worship here and you can see. Who am I going to worship? Money or going to worship God? So whom do you serve? God or money? Actually, pretty easy to tell. You just need to look at your checkbook or your, or your bank statements and see where you spend your money. Now you see where your heart is. I'm not saying, listen, this is not a, a campaign to get money for the church. Believe me, that's not what it is. It's so, we're talking about the heart issue here. Because if you look at our, che our checkbook statements and our bank account statements, we know exactly where our heart is. Some people, their hearts are in pornography and all kinds of stuff. They have all kinds of sites that they check all the time, and their money goes that way. Some, some people, it's all about sports, this sport, this sport. They even bat in sports. That's where their heart is. You know what? When our heart is after God, we tithe. We support missions. We give to the local church. We help others. And you say, oh, that. Yeah, you know why? Because our heart is right. Again, Jesus said, where your heart is, so where's your money? Where will you invest your resources? Will you save and spend for yourself or will you help others in need? Again, I always remember this. God says it is better to give than to receive. That's right. And God loves a joyful giver. I tell you what, I conclude with this. This message, if you miss this message, you miss the whole thing. This message is not about money. Not at all. This message is about your heart and my heart. 
God wants your heart. Because, like I said, if your heart is right, you make the right decisions. If your heart is wrong, you're going to continue to make the wrong decision. And guess who's going to reap it? You are. If we live in a world we think that we don't reap what we sow, but we do. You make the wrong decisions, guess who's going to reap it? You are. Who's going to hurt? You are. And God says, give me your heart so you can make the right decisions and I will guide you. You know the problem is? Get out of that driving seat. I'm driving my car. I'll give you an, an example. I went to a, a night with a friend of mine. Goodness, I was still single. Many, many years ago. Not even saved at the time. And I was sitting around talking with a friend of mine giving me a ride. We were there. We used to go out together all the time. I was a friend of mine. And uh, uh, it was time for us to go home. I look at him and he was drunk. I mean drunk. And I look at him. I said, hey, give me the key so we can go home. I goes, nobody drives my car. I said, you're going to drive by yourself because I ain't going with you. Or either I drive or you drive by yourself. You never drive with me. I don't even want to be a friend anymore. Hey, took his car. The next day, his mother's calling me and yelling at me. And I said, man, well, what did I do? He was like, what did you do last night with my son? Blah, blah, blah. He had a bad, massive accident. He hit two people, put people in the hospital with a bad accident. Because, again, where your heart is, so is your decisions. He made a horrible decision to drive drunk. He almost killed somebody. You see, follow that? Where if your heart is wrong... You make the wrong decisions, you reap the consequences. But if your heart is right, you leave the consequences to God, and you will take care of it. Again, God is interested in your heart, not in your money. Because when the heart is right, the money will be invested the right way too. You follow that? People are so consumed. I'm not going to church because that's the only thing they want to talk about is money. No, no, no. We in church, we teach people the right way to live according to God's will. Hey, listen, God loves you too much to, for you to make a mess out of your life. He wants you to live the right way, do the right thing, so you'll be a blessing to Him and to people around you. I conclude with this. God wants your heart. That's what he wants. He doesn't want your money. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. I pray, Lord, 